0: Since human beings decided it would be a good idea to bring animals inside the family compound and try to domesticate them, anyone with an average IQ and a cursory understanding of logic and humanity could probably tell you that our pets don't and shouldn't have the same rights and privileges as our children. Well, By the same token, since the garden variety child has yet to attain the same physical, emotional, intellectual and independent status as the garden variety adult, Children, by virtue of these facts, should not be afforded the same rights and privileges as adults. And since virtually all parents are adults, and while all children are, well, children, it stands to reason that parents should, by and large, be afforded more rights and privileges than their children. After all, children are conceived and nurtured into adulthood by their parents, and not the other way around. And that's the way things have been since the beginning of time. These things really are self evident. But, like many other things in our world today, these same self evident realities have been challenged in recent years by some otherwise very intelligent and educated people. People whose postmodern thinking has helped create a very difficult world for those traditional garden variety parents still having what used to be called common sense. Knowing your rights as a common sense parent. That's next on License to Parent. Well, hello, you Common Sense Garden Variety parent, you, and welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program helping teens in crisis. Our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, and I am his Common Sense Garden Variety co-host and a parent of five myself, Rich Rosal, And Trace... I think it's important that we talk about knowing your rights as a parent today Mm -hmm. because a lot of parents are beginning to feel that their parental rights are diminishing more and more every day. Mm -hmm. And as someone who works with parents and teenagers every day, what's your take on all this?
1: Well, I would take the rest of the program to hear my take on all this, but uh, I think the problem stems from virtually everything we discussed on a previous broadcast with a guy named uh, David Kapalian. Uh David wrote a book called The Snapping of the American Mind, and he's exactly right. We've lost our minds in this country. Uh, it seems that our critical thinking skills have been reduced to uh, the point of we've become tribal, uh, and yet we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And I think the abuse of digital technology has, has only proliferated all this craziness, and you know, therefore expedited the exchange of the godhood of God for the godhood of man. I mean, humanism is now the measure of all things, not God. And and we humans have our own sense of, and definition of justice and compassion that falls, you know, way short of God's justice and compassion. Yet, uh, you know, we've bought the lie that ours is actually superior. Right. Uh, but it's really more in line with the justice and compassion of the devil. It's carnal justice and carnal compassion, short-term and short-sighted. Someone once said, we can have so much compassion upon man as to be in high-handed rebellion toward God. Now, we've had uh, drilled into our heads for so long in this country, the the legitimate concept of equal rights, that... We've now lost our ability to prudently sort through the reality that equal rights can sometimes be anything but equal, but actually a very dangerous liability Mm -hmm. when so-called equal rights are given to animals, entities, or even humans that are incapable of avoiding self-destruction when these same so-called equal rights are afforded them. Uh, And this is why you don't give guns to three-year-olds. Anyone under 18 still can't legally gamble, drink, smoke, chew, or run with those who do, among other things. And why is this? Because even our law once deemed it compassion not to allow these things. I mean, their brains, minds, and emotions haven't qualified them to handle such things. Uh, parents still have the, the legal and moral responsibility and obligation to make sure that their kids refrain from certain things that they're not ready for uh, and to do certain things that they should be ready for. But if a false sense of compassion... Uh, Out of a false sense of compassion, Uh, some parents actually supply their kids these vices, uh, all while others are out actually campaigning for a perverted sense of equal rights for kids. And more and more, our government is being pressured by an elite group of secularly educated fools to take away from parents the authority and power they actually need to enforce what it takes to properly discern and do right instead of wrong and good instead of evil. Uh, And why are they doing this? Well, because Junior has his human rights and, you know, a very misguided view of compassion uh, and human rights. Uh, So uh, when is Junior actually fully human anyway? Uh, Because, you know, when he's still in the womb, even the the leftist elites recognize uh, he has fewer human rights than adults. In fact, they would say he has none, and that's why they kill them. Uh, But the key word is fewer, because I would still say that that when equal rights are given to uh, unequal parties, the whole of mankind suffers, and we're seeing that today. Uh, now, now, some might think I just made a case for abortion. I didn't. Uh, I didn't say that kids have no rights. We all have the right to life because we are all equal in essence. We're not equal in functionality. And I think that's what Jefferson meant when he claimed that all men are created equal. I really doubt that he thought that kids should have all the same rights as adults. I mean, he didn't have the, the scientists back then to tell them about the frontal lobe developing at a certain age and, and whatnot. It was just common sense, uh, and it should be today. Um, anyway, I'm looking forward to speaking with today's guest about some of this. Uh, hopefully he can help put uh, you know um some rights back in the hands of the parents uh, as, as the preeminent governing entity the, over their own kids, because things are really starting to get scary for good parents trying to raise emotionally stable kids in America these days.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm reminded of a question that <laughs> uh, adults would often ask kids who are out of line. said, didn't your parents teach you right from wrong? <laughs> well, nowadays, we're actually challenged that our version of right and wrong is wrong, mm-hmm. and uh, kids need to decide on their own. Yeah, so, right. again, as As you point out, it has fallen apart, and we didn't take quite the whole program to talk about that, so thank you. Uh, Well, let me take this moment now to move us in the direction of welcoming our guest, who, by the way, we, we went to the right source here on Parental Rights in America today because joining us on the phone is Michael Ramey the Deputy Director for ParentalRights.org, as well as its Director of Communications and Research. Michael holds a B.A. in Foreign Language, Spanish, in fact, from Virginia Commonwealth University. He also has a Master of Divinity with Biblical Languages from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Now, before joining the staff of ParentalRights.org, Michael Ramey honed his communication skills through 13 years of church ministry. Uh, he and his wife Rachel now live in Winchester, Virginia along with their 5 children. Michael, welcome to License to Parent. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And by the way, thank you for meeting the minimum quota of children. Trace has five, right. I have five, and so do you. So welcome. You are, you are fully vested. <laughs> uh, Michael, what
1: can you tell us about uh, parentalrights.org, and, and, and how can you and your team help protect and secure parents that they can still have their God-given rights as parents?
2: Well, parentalrights.org was founded uh, a little over 10 years ago uh, with the intent of working to protect the traditional right of parents, the common sense, natural right of parents to direct the upbringing, education, care of their children, actually in the text of the U.S. Constitution. So at the bottom line, our purpose and goal is to pass a constitutional amendment that will preserve that right uh, mm-hmm. for all time in that founding document.
1: Yeah, and what, what? tell us about this parental rights amendment and how our listeners can get on board with this because uh, I really feel it's important. Can you uh, expound on that?
2: Sure. Well, the parental rights amendment uh, is carefully worded using uh, language that already has clear legal definitions uh, to establish in the text of the Constitution what has traditionally been the right of parents to direct the upbringing, education, and care of their children without unnecessary or undue government uh, interference. Uh, It still preserves the role of the state in protecting children from abuse or neglect when there's evidence of that. Uh, It still allows the state uh, to step in in the ways that it does to protect children Uh, that are are meeting a compelling governmental interest, Uh, but it would preserve for all time the right of parents uh, to be that primary caregiver, that primary decision-maker for their children, because as you gentlemen have already mentioned, uh, we're seeing that eroding all around us, and we're we're hearing academic voices uh, pushing for that erosion. Uh, so this would halt that erosion and say no we're we're going to this is a rock that we're going to stand on. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you
1: used some uh, very vague terms, uh, abuse, uh, undo. You know, when our founding fathers put these things together, uh, there was a common sense in America. We took mm-hmm. our uh, moral cues from a common moral source, which was basically the 10 commandments. And therefore, uh, we could use uh, terms like this but in our postmodern world, those things can get turned inside out. So uh, what are the constitutional rights of parents in 2018 America? How do we sort through terms like undo uh, or, or abuse? Uh,
2: the difficulty with definitions, because as you recognize, everything really can come down to the definition. That's right. Uh, especially if the court decides that they're going to redefine something. The Obergefell decision, uh, where they just redefined what the word marriage means, um, and then we've ended up in a big mess. Uh, so, but, but the Constitution doesn't contain definitions uh, either, so we've got that precedent kind of going against us. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to honor the, the constitutional precedent and not put the definitions in the, in the text, uh, but at the same time tie the hands of the courts so that they can't just throw out whatever definition they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why those who've drafted this amendment have used words and terms that have specific legal definitions already. Uh, now, again, the Supreme Court, years and years down the road, they can twist the language. There's no way to prevent them doing that, unfortunately, in the text of the Constitution. If you passed a constitutional amendment that says the Supreme Court can't change this language, the Supreme Court would then go and reinterpret that language. So, um, Right. We can't really stop that in the text. But what we can do is use words that are already clearly defined so that contextualists and those who are fair to the Constitution will recognize what it means uh, and what it was intended to mean uh, at the time it was written. And that's really, as an author uh, of a constitutional text, that's really the best that we are able to do. Then it stands to the people, uh, to elect those who are going to preserve that and those who are going to appoint judges and justices who are going to preserve that. So there's still that responsibility.
1: Do you see this evolution of, of definitions working against us as Christians down the line, or uh, is there a way to stem the tide?
2: Uh, I think the the way to stem the tide really is to guard the court, uh, to vote responsibly, uh, voting godly leaders, and then hold them accountable to appoint godly judges mm-hmm. and justices. And at least... Uh, conservative to the text of the Constitution, uh, those judges and justices yeah. uh, who will uphold the meaning.
1: And if parents don't start having conversations with their kids about these very issues right now, then the postmodern far left thinkers uh, that are permeating the colleges and even the primary schools today are going to, um, well, they already have, uh, influence the minds of our, of our Christian kids. So we need to really um, have some serious conversations with our, with our, uh, our kids about this, parents you agree? I
2: I do. I I think that uh, parents need to remember that we are responsible before God for how we educate our children and how they uh, learn and grow. Uh, So we can uh, outsource that to a a church school, uh, a private school, uh, or even the public schools. But if we do, we are still the ones responsible. That's right. Uh, And so I I, I just think I homeschool my kids. Good. Uh, but and I recognize not every parent necessarily has to do that, but I would I think those who send their kids to public schools, they make that responsibility very much, a lot more challenging for themselves because you're still responsible.
1: Well, you mentioned homeschool, and I was looking at your website. Who is this Professor Dwyer guy from uh, William and & Mary, and why should it concern all of us as parents?
2: Professor Dwyer is just one of many, uh, unfortunately, uh, academic voices rising up and saying that parental rights come from the state. And uh, the reason he's featured on our website is he said it very succinctly and very clearly, um, not because we support what he said by any means, but because we want parents to be aware that, hey, this is how they're talking about you and your family in academic circles. And this is the, the policies that they're pushing for. And it makes sense. If our rights do not come from God... If modern man is going to say there is no God, we don't need God, um, natural rights don't come from God, then where do they come from? Mm -hmm. Professor Dwyer fills in the blank and says our rights basically come from the government. And the government confers parental rights on you by giving you a birth certificate. Um, So the, the government is giving you that right. Yeah.
0: I agree with you. Michael, I got a quick question. We were just talking about the amendment that parentalrights.org is is promoting. That, by the way, is available on your website, which obviously is parentalrights.org. It's not terribly long. It's five different sections. Could you take a moment and go through that with us just so that we have context for the rest of our conversation?
2: Sure. Um, well, the first section uh, speaks to the the liberty of parents to direct the upbringing, education, and care of their children. As a fundamental right, uh, and that language came from existing Supreme Court uh, cases where the court has held that the liberty of parents to direct the upbringing, education, and care of their children uh, is is just that—it's a fundamental right. Uh, the um, so that's that's really the the nutshell of the whole thing. That's that's the the key to the whole amendment, right there. Uh, the difficulty is there was a Supreme Court case back in 2000 where the court again upheld that this by tradition, is a fundamental right. Uh, and a fundamental right in America gets a certain level of judicial protection, uh, which the court in that case, in Troxell v. Granville, uh, denied. Uh, and, and Justice Thomas called it out in, a, in, a, in his opinion on that case. He said, wait a minute, if it's a, if it's a fundamental right, it should get what's called strict judicial scrutiny, uh, which is that only laws that meet a compelling governmental interest uh, and can't otherwise be served, uh, It can violate that right. Um, the rest of the court disagreed with him. So Section 3, and I realize I'm skipping here for just a second, but Section 3 uh, goes and puts in that definition of strict judicial scrutiny to restore that standard, and it says neither the United States nor any state shall infringe these rights without demonstrating that its governmental interest, as applied to the person, is of the highest order and not otherwise served. Because It's a compelling governmental interest, and it can't be met by any other means is what that means. Uh, so only the very, uh, very tight laws like those against child abuse or child neglect uh, can supersede uh, a, a parent's right. And then only, only to the degree that it's absolutely necessary.
0: Uh, now, now a, quick, a quick question yeah. about that, though. Uh, you know, I, think, I think about uh, governments coming in and saying it's in our interest to seize your property um, for the public good. And then the public good ends up being putting a Walmart in there. Um, you know, th- that too is subject to interpretation. So are there any limits on governmental interest?
2: Yes, yeah, there are. Constitutionally, the interest of the government is securing our rights. If you think back to the Declaration of Independence, uh, it says that, you know, all men are created equal or are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So when we talk about a compelling governmental interest or a in- governmental interest of the highest order, We're not talking about what's in the interest of a particular government bureaucrat or a particular government agent or representative. The government's interest is protecting other people's rights. So when we talk about a compelling governmental interest in this case, or a highest order governmental interest, we're talking about a government's responsibility to somebody else. So you have the right to direct the upbringing and care of your child, but your child also has the right, like you've already mentioned, the right to life. They have the right to security and safety. If you're an abusive parent, uh, no one has a right to abuse a child. And, and so the government has then an interest in protecting that child from abuse. That's a governmental interest of the highest order. Um, so, yeah, it, it's easy to think, well, governmental interest, that just means whatever a governmental bureaucrat says it does. But, but that's not the legal definition there. The, the definition that we are depending on here um, is the, the legal precedent, the judicial precedent.
0: I tell you what, real quickly, let me jump in because we need to take a break on behalf of our stations. We're talking with Michael Ramey, the Deputy Director for ParentalRights.org. We're talking about, among other things, an amendment that ParentalRights.org is trying to present to our nation's leaders to restore parental rights to where they rightly should be. We'll continue that conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org.
3: In the training of our children, what role should public school play? Documentarian Colin Gunn takes a panoramic exploration of this issue by hopping in a school bus for a field trip all over America in the DVD Indoctrination. Colin conducts a series of candid interviews and discovers how God's recipe for training the next generation is being replaced with a humanistic, man-centered program that fragments the family and undermines the influence of the church and the Great Commission. Christian teachers and principals share how they're attempting to walk the tightrope between teaching what they do not believe and being restricted from their God-given call to be salt and light. Indoctrination, Public Schools and the Decline of Christianity in America, available in the License to Parent store at LicenseToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund.
0: Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered non-profit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherds Hill Academy.
2: It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherds Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society.
0: Get the help you need at Shepherds Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. This is Licensed to Parent with our host, Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy. I'm Rich Rosl, and we're talking today with Michael Ramey, the deputy director for parentalrights.org. And we've been talking about rights that we as parents have unfortunately been giving up, either out of fear or ignorance or thinking we just don't really have the right, when in fact we've got God-given rights to raise our kids in a godly way. And that's what parentalrights.org is all about Michael, we started uh, going through the constitutional amendment that parentalrights.org is trying to get pushed through. so uh, in, in the next few minutes let's quickly cover the remaining parts of this document.
2: Oh sure. So section two uh, is the parental right to direct education includes the right to choose as an alternative to public education, private, religious, or home schools, and the right to make reasonable choices within public schools for one's child. Hmm. So that just fleshes out a little bit what is meant by that right to education that's mentioned in the first section. Uh, and it protects homeschooling, it protects the choice to private or religious, uh, whether it's religious or secular, and just the freedom of any parent to make that choice for their child. Uh, and in Section 4, the parental rights guaranteed by this article shall not be denied or abridged on account of disability. Uh, the fact is that even prior to this 2000 case that I mentioned before, uh, parents with disabilities, are have a, their rights are, are set at a different level uh, than everybody else's uh, based on a eugenics-era case from 1927 that really is just an embarrassment and a shame to our nation that basically says that the state can step in if a parent has a disability. Uh, Because they're less than the rest of us, uh, and therefore the state needs to step in and and make those decisions uh, because of their deficiency.
1: Where does discrimination come in that equation?
2: Well, I mean, it clearly is discriminatory, isn't it? Uh, And so nowadays I don't think anybody in their right mind, uh, whether they're on the political right or left, uh, would want to be defending that Supreme Court case from 1927. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the fact is it remains the ruling Supreme Court precedent to, to this day. A majority of states, I believe the last count was 38 states, allow for the separation of parents from their children on the basis of a parent's disability.
1: That's pretty scary. And
2: that's, it is, and it's tragic. Uh, That just needs to not, that should not be the case.
1: What's your organization doing to to, uh, kind of stem that tide?
2: Well, uh, obviously the first thing we're doing is we put that section into our amendment so that if we get this into the Constitution, then the rights of parents with disabilities will forever be protected at the same level as everyone else's. But we're also working with some other organizations at state levels to change those state laws. Um, Like I said, the last count I saw was 38 of those states. I think a couple of states this year have rolled that back. So we're working with some other organizations, National Federation of the Blind and some other disability organizations, uh, to stand up for the rights of parents even with disabilities uh, in their state laws as well.
0: Hmm. Well, Michael, we are out of time for today's program. And I always hate it when we have to cut a conversation short, especially when we got pages and pages and pages of other stuff we'd like to talk to you about. So we will have to have you back. However, before you go, tell us how parents can get involved in this and or anyone who would like to see these rights not only restored, but restored legislatively through an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. What do we need to do?
2: Well, because the exact thing that you need to do changes uh, sometimes day to day, week to week, month to month, I-, I would encourage uh, parents to go to our website parentalrights.org and sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, we will not fill up your news your inbox. We we don't pour those out, uh, but we keep folks in, in informed uh, when you when it's time to call Congress or when it's time to call your state legislature. Uh, and urge them, whether it's to support the Parental Rights Amendment or some of those statutes like we talked about before that are helping parents with disabilities or whatever it might be. So we'll keep you informed on parental rights Mm -hmm. uh, and let you know how to contact your lawmakers. So go to parentalrights.org and sign up for the email newsletter there.
0: And by the way, I would mention that uh, the amendment is uh, not only written out on the website, but you can click on each of the sections and get more information, more background, court cases, etc., to explain what's behind this this very important amendment. Yeah, and, and again, I'm
1: urging parents yeah. to do this, like, as soon as this program's over, do it. It's going to save you and your kids uh, and your grandkids, uh, potentially, a whole lot of headaches down the road. I know we're out of time. And whether we can do this or not, I want to ask one quick question. Uh, Michael, I know a case right now where a local judge court ordered a dad to return his young daughter's uh, smartphone. Where he was court ordered to do this. And then also Mm -hmm. ordered that uh, the dad had to remove all monitoring devices from his phone. And the story actually gets even worse, but I won't go into it. Uh, But is this a case uh, that your organization could potentially help with?
2: uh it it could i tell you it would really depend on whether mom and dad are together in that case because if dad is is doing the one thing but mom is the custodial parent and has said something different then you know the court has to go with mom
1: yeah uh, but, but dad's but, the custodial parent in this case
2: yeah wow um That's yeah, the it, case, then right? it really should help with that because yeah. uh the the state would have to demonstrate that they have a compelling reason why dad can't monitor his daughter, why, yeah. Well, they There's, do have a compelling and, case. And that's usually like dad's been abusive or, or doing something just grossly wrong. Yeah.
1: Well, they do have a compelling case. The, the society's insane. <laughs> I mean, that that's the compelling case. <laughs> uh, but I, I'll, I'll give this dad uh, your information because um, he, he is a responsible guy. Uh, it's an insane situation. And I'll I'll pass it on to him. Thank you very much for being with
0: us. Sure. And with that, Michael Ramey, thank you so much for being a guest today on Licensed to Parent. We would like to have you and and other members of parentalrights.org back on the program in the future. So thank you. I look
2: forward to it. Thank you very much.
0: And that wraps up today's edition of Licensed to Parent. Our guest once again has been Michael Ramey, the Deputy Director for parentalrights.org, as well as its Director of Communication and Research. If you'd like to learn more about your rights as a Christian parent, uh, you'll find all of it at parentalrights.org. You can also sign that petition for the Parental Rights Amendment and read that document in full. The site, by the way, is very well laid out. It has a lot to offer. And again, that's parentalrights.org. And that wraps up another edition for License to Parent. You can find us online at LicenseToParent.org. And remember that the work we do here on Licensed to Parent is an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill, again, is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. You can help that work continue through your tax-deductible gift that keeps this radio program on the air and provides scholarships to families who can't otherwise afford residential care. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button. Again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on license to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rozzel, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent.
1: And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.